The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Yes, it does. John, Sarah, and Mike, thank you, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan in for Melissa once again, and this is Fast Money. Your trader lineup tonight, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, Jeff Mills, and Bono and Ice. Tonight on Fast Hold your bets. Why one analyst says you might want to pump the brakes on shares of two red-hot gambling stocks. Plus, it is the end of an era for Apple and Tesla, and also the start of a new one. What you can expect from shares when they begin trading Monday post-split. And check out the run in this mystery ETF chart over the past week. We'll tell you what it's got shining so bright. Do you think you know what that ETF is? Do you? Let us know. All right, we got a lot to get to, but we're going to begin with news breaking on AT&T. Shares jumping in after hours. Let's get to Julia Borston with more. Julia. That's right, Brian. Those shares up about 2.5% on after, in after hours trading on a report that AT&T is again exploring a sale of its DirecTV business. This according to a report in the Wall Street Journal, which cites sources saying AT&T and its Goldman Sachs advisors have been talking to Apollo Global and Platinum Equity as potential bidders. Now, uh, AT&T has previously explored selling DirecTV, and CEO John Stanky has discussed the importance of divesting non-core assets and the company's interest in selling consumers' TV over the Internet, an alternative to DirecTV's satellite TV bundle. Now, DirecTV has struggled with cord cutting amid the growth of streaming options. The Wall Street Journal is saying a deal could value DirecTV below $20 billion. That's less than half the $49 billion AT&T paid for DirecTV, back in 2015. AT&T tells us it has no comment on this report. We are reaching out to Apollo and Platinum Equity and have not heard back yet. Brian, back over to you. All right, Julia Borston, thank you very much. All right, Steve Grasso. So your take not only on the news, but I want to get your take here. When I saw this headline, my, I immediately fired off and emailed the producers. I said, really? The Randall Stevenson era at AT&T is marked by deals that apparently just ran up debt. Now you're looking to sell DirecTV at less than half what you might have paid for it here. I mean, AT&T, comment on the deal and comment on the company and the former management team. Yeah, so I think that you were forced to, you got to look back, Brian, to the era uh, that you're talking about. So you had, you know, the two majors, you had Verizon, you have AT&T. Then you had John Ledger who turned the whole industry on its head. Am I right there? So they were forced to compete. They were forced to try to gobble up, create value where they thought they could. They were trying to, to chase where the puck was going to be, not where the puck was. So I don't fault them for doing that because if those deals turned into something, you would have posed that question to me 
hey, Steve, all these deals turned out great. So it's always, you know, six half dozen of the other. And in this one, it's hindsight's 2020. So when I look at where but we're at in state of the affairs, it, it, yes, you're correct. You're correct. So it didn't. So now you're looking at AT&T that has basically been flatlining uh, at around $30. You, get, you catch a yield of just below 7%. Now they're trying to figure out what do we do now to be competitive in the next five years. So to your point, you have to start to reestablish yourself because now you have T-Mobile. T-Mobile is up almost 50% because of their merger yeah. uh, with Sprint. So they're a viable competitor now. So it's either T-Mobile, Verizon, or AT&T. So AT&T has taken it on the chin, down 23% year to date, Verizon down 3%, and T-Mobile up 50%. Where's the next 50 gonna be made? And I think since it's been so bastardized, and this story has been around for over a year now, Maybe we get some conclusion yeah, to yeah. it, and maybe you could finally get a pop in the stock. All I'm saying, BK, is this, and I'm not just slamming the former management, but I am slamming the former management, because five years ago, AT&T was a $43 stock. It's a $32 stock today. Hey, Verizon, at least you can say the stock is fractionally higher than it was five years ago. It hasn't lost, you know, 40% of its value, even as the Dow and S&P go on record runs. Is there any reason, BK, to own AT&T stock? It's got, what, a couple hundred billion in debt. Well, yeah, so that's, that's really the issue. And, and so why is it up 2 or 3%? You know, if they can get $20 billion out of this, then that's cash on the books. Maybe it reduces that debt a bit. Um, you know, and you're concerned about whether or not they're going to be able to pay that dividend, a uh, 7% yield or uh, so, I no, think a little less really. than that. Um, so, so, you know, that's the thing is that you need to, that's, that's what investors are looking at is that how sustainable is that dividend? They know that they've got a problem with DirecTV. I mean, listen, you know, they look, they're going to lose, what, $39 billion on this? I don't know what the management got paid in total over the last five years, but I guarantee you I could lose $39 billion for about half of what they did it for. <laughs> well, it's 190. By the way, it's Jeff. It's 196 billion dollars in debt for AT&T, according to Capital IQ. Yeah, the, the management made a bundle, and I believe they're all whoever's retired is making a bundle in retirement. Which, by the way, is their boards, and that's that's the board's decision, and that's fine. Whatever was approved is approved. All I'm saying is, the the stock has done nothing except lose investors' money over the last five years. Now they're looking at selling this. This was their whole strategy was DirecTV in the bundle. Now they're like, oh, let's sell it for less than half of what we paid for it. Yeah, and I don't know that this is necessarily the powerful catalyst that you're going to need to move the stock higher. If, just go to the charts, for example. It's been trading right at that 50-day moving average. It has shown some support there. But the reason you buy it, I'll go back to what, to, what Grasso said. You know, you have room to catch up. You're talking about a forward PE multiple at about nine times. So if you're looking forward and you're not looking at the past mistakes and you can be a patient investor, perhaps you're seeing a little bit of technical support here. You buy it on valuation and you hang on. Oh, okay, let's move on now to what was another monster week on the street of dreams. Not only did the Dow rise nearly 3%, but it is now positive on the year. Yes, just by 0.4%, but hey, it's positive. And with dividends, that's even a little bit more. Today's move for the S&P 500 actually fairly broad-based. Even old energy coming along for the ride. The strength is the Fed wrapping up 
an historic virtual meeting. Steve Leisman just spoke with St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard, and here is part of that conversation. We're not even thinking about thinking about uh, raising rates, and I, I think we've got a good policy in place right now. I just continue this policy. I don't really think uh, this is about monetary policy. Uh, this is about the virus and uh, the economy adapting to the virus, the risk management around the virus and uh, the uh, contagion that would otherwise occur. Um, I think our, our I think our monetary policy is is just right for this situation. All right, so Bonowin, with rates clearly lower for longer, maybe forever, or at least our definition of forever, are there more gains ahead for the stock market overall? I mean, I think there are, and particularly if you break it down sector by sector. I mean, we've spoken in quite a bit of detail um, on several mediums, right, about how narrow this tech rally really has been. It was tech, then it kind of leaked into the housing sector, rate-specific, rate-leverage type of sectors. And now what we're seeing, not only, is, not only are we seeing low rates, we're also seeing more of a normalization, steepening of that yield curve. So we might see that transition into the financials. But I will say is if you take a look at the action of the VIX and you watch that just today oscillate 16% between 22.5 and 26.5, clearly investors are continuing to buy but with a bit more caution. I mean, you've got to be putting some protection in place here. So yes, the Fed with their accommodative policy clearly is leading to risk assets continuing to rally. But I think you're starting to, I think you're starting to see more people come out of the woodworks and say, listen, we might be on the precipice here. And so you're seeing volatility and the market rally in tandem. And I think you always need to scratch your head when that happens. Yeah, and I, and I think Steve Grasso, you know, eventually maybe this elixir of low rates might weigh, you know, wear off. I mentioned this in Power Lunch today. If low rates were always just undeniably good with no ill effects, we should just peg the interest rate at 1% for the rest of our lives and move on. But low rates often do come with a negative. Asset bubbles, likely inflation, etc. Is there a point at which these low rates simply will not benefit stock investors any longer? Yeah, but we've all we've all seen this uh, happen and we've all seen this sort of play out uh, to the opposite of what you're saying. But I do agree uh, with, with Bonowin. We were talking about this last night uh, on air as well. I've been positive in the stock market. I thought with with Powell and the hopes for a vaccine, the market could rally aggressively higher. It's done that. But now when we're looking, taking a step back, I think a, a big part of this rally, this last push, has been Apple and Tesla and people tripping over themselves to get involved in the next hottest thing. And it hasn't done anything at all for shareholder value. It's just pretty sexy when you're going to get a split, so you want to be a part of these iconic names. So if you're part of those names and you're coming to the conclusion, this might be a great time to everything Bonowin said, to everything that everyone thinks, now you're getting Apple and Tesla are gonna have a split adjusted price. You might get a window of opportunity to right before the debates, the presidential debates, to really capture some volatility. And I think we could potentially see the market sell off 15 to 20%. Now, how long does it last? Because it really hasn't lasted long. But I think at this point, that rushed into big tech, 
the rush, rush into the six names, yeah. probably very, very long in the tooth. You, you know, BK, I realize that I've screwed up. I've just screwed up. I've been terrible at my job, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I come on here periodically or any other show, or, and I say, why should the market keep going up? And I realize it's probably been the wrong question. Maybe the better question is, why should the market go down? Everything we've talked about seems to put the tailwind. So I'm going to ask, flip it. If you had to make a case why the market will fall, and you're not saying it will, but if you had to make the case why it would, what would be top of that chart? So first of all, Sully, don't beat yourself up. You're an incredible slouch, and nobody's going to deny that. So that's the first thing. <laughs> Number oh, two, that's a joke from Caddyshack. For the folks at home, I think Sully's fantastic at what he does. Uh, number two. Be the, case, the ball, BK. The for things, Be the ball. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the case for volatility coming forward, at least from my perspective, is I don't think this debate and election season is going to be kind of your garden variety election season. With the social unrest that we're seeing in our country, I think you have to expect that there's going to be more unrest and more issues coming out over the next 30, 60, 90 days leading into the election. And so I think that as an investor, when you have that uncertainty, you think about how stocks react, they react to new information and they don't like uncertainty. So I do think yeah. that I'm long VIX calls because I think as we go into it, you're going to have this uptick in volatility. Yeah, in fact, we've got a big segment on this in Options Action, Cheap Tees. That's not slouchy for the next show. Uh, Jeff Mills, would you agree with that? Do you expect heightened volatility in the next you know, two and a half months? I think all bets are off over the next two and a half months, honestly, with the election. But what you do have is a very narrow market that doesn't look like it typically would off the bottom during a recession. But I think the formula has been very simple, and I think the formula probably remains in place. It's, it's the Fed and excess liquidity plus uncertainty. And what you have right now is only 45% of stocks in the S&P are actually positive year to date. That's half of what we saw out of the financial crisis. The, the median stock is still down 22% off its all-time high. So you continue to see money managers and other investors pushed into the market, but they're pushed into this very narrow area of the market because they're afraid. And if you look at 2021 earnings as an example, pretty positive. I think that's priced in, but the standard deviation around those expectations, it's huge. It's as wide as it's been since the mid-1980s. So until the spectrum of outcomes yeah. starts to narrow a little bit, I think the background continues to look like it does, and that means cyclicals lagging and everybody piling into large-cap growth, and I think that that could continue. A trend has been your friend, and Jeff's saying it's going to continue. All right, guys, we've got a lot more to discuss. Coming up after the break here on Fast Money, is it time to fold them? We're going to dig into two names that might be ready to see their hot streaks go cold, and, and nobody tell Dave Portnoy. Certainly, he won't like one of these calls. And by the way, any of you afraid of heights? Well, stock heights anyway. Well, how might you be able to protect yourself from any pullbacks? Something we just talked about a little more. We'll dive in if you're looking for correction protection. You're a little worried about what may come. We're going to tell you how to do it. Fast Money, back in two. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. 
At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Loving my tie game. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back to Fast Money. You might want to sit this next hand out. Morgan Stanley making a big call on two different gaming stocks, downgrading Penn National, don't tell Dave Portnoy, and DraftKings to equal weight. Analysts pointing out that both stocks have more than doubled since the beginning of the year, and investors' expectations, well, may simply be too high. Jeff Mills, what do you make of the call? I've liked both of these stocks for a while. Uh, Penn was a final trade of mine. I fast-pitched DraftKings, and if you just look at the DraftKings chart, for example, it traded into this really narrow wedge broke to the upside. It's maintained that near-term uptrend even with today's move lower. And I think the fundamentals are still in place in terms of a long-term story. These are really powerful brands. I think you have a spending redirect going on with people not attending sporting events, so they're betting on them instead. Um, Big-name backers for both. Obviously, Barstool, you mentioned with Penn and some others with DraftKings. And I think the legislative story is really the big one. So thinking about California, Texas, Florida, New York, having not legalized online sports betting yet, I think that comes and that's a major catalyst. And if you read the Morgan Stanley note, it wasn't that negative, to be honest. I think it it legitimized the fact that we're early on in a really high growth industry. It talked about revenues going from 1.5 billion in the industry to over 12 in five years. There was a lot of positive commentary. I think it was just kind of a pump the brakes, a valuation story, some potential uh, negative catalyst between now and year end. Uh, and I think that's probably true. And you could see some volatility. But if you're a long-term holder of these names, I think you yeah. want exposure to the industry. And these are two great places to get it. Yeah, I mean, it's a downgrade to an equal weight bottom. When it's not a sell, or, of course, there's not a lot of those out there as well. Would you be buying either of these stocks into the weakness that came out today because of that? Uh, well, I mean, to the point that was made just previously, it's really about your, your time horizon. So, yeah, over the long term, particularly DraftKings, you know, I like it. I mean, I've been trading, selling some puts, looking for ways to dip my toes in, collect some premium. So I like the fundamental story, particularly being that they're a capital light business that's getting exposure. But I mean, I, I do want to point out that we do need to be careful here. Take a pause, right? We've all talked about how there might be some downside to current levels in the market. And if you really look at what's really propelled these names forward, it's been the, the stay-at-home dynamic. Now, we, none of us really know when that's going to end. But I think right now what we're seeing in price action has been more of a pull forward of demand rather than an expansion thereof. And so I think that's really what the note is about, taking that into consideration. But again, over the long term, I mean, I personally like DraftKings more than PIN. Again, capital light business with different exposures to, to online uh, betting and gaming. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely some headwinds around the coronavirus. So I'd be looking to buy dips, but my time horizon would definitely be 12 months plus. Okay, 12 you know, months yeah, plus. Brian, PK, Brian, quick, Grasso, re- quickly. Re- Brian, really quick. I, I would stick with DraftKings, but to everyone's point, I think there's nothing wrong with uh, locking in some profits here. And if the market does dip, these are going to get hit as well. But even when the, yeah. the people get back into opening up casinos, online gambling is not going away. DraftKings is the brand. I would stick with it longer. No, time. but Grasso, hold on. Part of this call was that they, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hedge or a put that the NFL season could be canceled. And that would just obviously be terrible for many reasons, but also for DraftKings. That's part of the thesis. A hundred percent. We all know what the th- uh, thesis is, but with Abbott Labs, with getting... The, the news out that Abbott Labs has this other testing 
uh, that we heard yesterday that rallied the market and a lot of other different industries. I think that you're just placing a bet. Yeah. That's why I said there's nothing wrong with taking a profit. See where the smoke clears, but ultimately on the dip, if there is one, if the NFL season is canceled, I'd still be a buyer of DraftKings. They've established that they are the name and wow. they are the brand. Okay. All right, good stuff there, guys. All right, coming up, we are counting down to an entirely new era for Apple and Tesla. Well, until the next era. But should you expect from these stocks more gains because of the split only, or are there fundamental reasons? We're going to get some more answers on those two red-hot names and fast money returns. Correct. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right. Well, welcome back to Fast Money. Today was a special day, not just because it's Friday and we have a weekend ahead of us, because it was also the last day before Apple and Tesla split. Not with each other, of course, but their stocks. Apple going four for one. Tesla always one better. Five for one. Last two times Apple has done a stock split. It's seen big gains a year down the line. So BK, will history repeat itself? Study after study have shown stocks tend to gain five to eight percent from just a split alone. Yeah, uh, which is insane because as we, everybody has said on this panel, there is no value added uh, to the company because you split your stock. But listen, if people want to buy it and that seems to work, you know, there's an old trader saw that as soon as a stock gets to $90, usually $100 is the next stop and it kind of acts like a magnet. So these kind of anomalies exist in markets. I, I wouldn't go and bet the farm on this and it wouldn't even surprise me is that once these things split, People wake up and look at the Robinhood app and go, oh, wait a second, wait, I can buy a whole lot more. Let me buy some more. And you see this thing going before. But again, it's not going to change the valuation of the story for the company. But hey, stock price might go up. Grasso? Yeah, I think you have the ability to, I, I think you were starting, we were really on the, on the precipice or the cusp of seeing some rotation out of uh, tech and DHI. out of growth. I'm sorry, well, out of tech and into value. And I think once Apple started with the split conversation and then Tesla piggybacked it, it really put all of those plans of a rotation on hold. I think what you're going to see now is maybe this won't be yeah. what history has shown us, Brian, and maybe you get an opportunity to watch value and cyclicals okay. start to uh, perform on the cusp uh, uh, of what we could see another rotation on the back of what Powell had to say yesterday as well. Okay, good discussion there. Big story here. And Monday will bring a new era. Now it is time for final trades already. Bono and Iason, let's start off with you. What's your final trade on a Friday? 
Listen, if you buy into the steepening yield curve theory, I think uh, financials might catch a bit of a bid. I would proceed cautiously, but Goldman Sachs trades about 60 basis points price to book. Jeff? Got a nice 6% pullback here on DR Horton. I would be a buyer there. I, st- I think you still want exposure to home builders. The valuation's still good, so I'd be buying on dips. DHI. All right, BK? Well, I'm actually concerned that the yield curve has steepened, but the financials haven't really caught fire yet, so I'm a seller of XLF. XLF. We're showing Shake Shack, but we're all hungry anyway, so there you go. Uh, Steve Grasso, maybe your pick was Shake Shack <laughs> on the final trade. That, that was. I feel like Kreskin right now. You would have had a great uh, career with Johnny Carson. On the back of yesterday's Abbott news with that rapid test, all of these quick-serve restaurants kept caught, caught a bid. Finally, Shake Shack going much higher. There we go, Shake Shack. Everybody's going to pretty much fast food. It's unfortunately all that's open in much of the country. All right, guys, that does it for fast money. Do not go anywhere there. We're not done. Options action is next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.